And welcome to Hardcasters, the podcast that has set off very quickly from a, a lay-by and spilt coffee all over our gentle area. Um, it's burn, it burns, it burns. Um, I am Dick Visage, and with me tonight is the the Murtar to my rigs, the um, bullet in my in my gun. <laughs> the, the, the hot coffee on your balls. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting the amount of Do you think it's you know the the, the uh, paperwork they have to fill in? Do you think that's in the paperwork? Yeah. Coffee on balls. It used to be there used to be a box for like any other injuries. Now it's just a tick. Like coffee on balls? Question mark. <laughs> you just tick it. Um, when when uh, I said yeah. you're um, the bullet in my gun as well, I was trying to in my head. I had this really complex tooling up scene of a gun being put together, but for the life of me, when it came out, I, the bird's bullet and gun just came out. So in my head, I've got this huge technical spec diagram of this amazing gun, <laughs> and then I just reverted to saying the words bullet and gun like some yeah. sort of idiot. So, um, you know, I apologise for that. It was better in my head. That 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 gun was better in my head. I'm excited about this week. Because not for, for for a particular reason, not just, you know, generally excited. Um, but we're doing a film that I'm a massive mm. fan of. Now, it's a bit out of the wheelhouse of yeah. um kind of eighties, nineties cop action films. We've gone a bit kind of more modern again. Mm. Um but we're going to look at, and I, I, you know, I think in about ten yeah. years' time, this is going to be a a classic, a uh, kind of oft observed classic. So we're going to look at uh, the mighty Blood and Bone, mm. uh, the martial arts uh, fight fest starring Michael J. White, um, which I'm a huge fan of, um, and it was quite nice to, to kind of rewatch and re-delve into mm. this and. Yeah, I, it, the, you know, I thought I'd when I watch it, watch it again, I wouldn't enjoy it as much. But actually, I enjoyed it more because it just rollicks along at a right nice old pace. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan too. Um, I saw it really because I, I, I mean, I, I really, really like Michael J. White, and we'll talk, I think, at length about him and how he's not been used, I think, by Hollywood as much and as well as he should. No. Nope. Um, and I remember seeing that. And thinking, this is just his showcase. This is just him. At least for martial arts, um, this is his showcase. There's so much good stuff in it. Um, now, I, I've got a particular way... Because I think... I mean, we can sum up the plot, but the plot's really pretty straightforward, right? It's fairly wafer-thin, isn't it, really? There's not a lot yeah. kind of you have to... You just kind of sit and plug yourself in, really, don't you? And, and just go along yeah. the ride, as opposed to get really involved in the plot. Because it's not that complex. Yeah, but what it does well is it, it takes that simple plot and and feeds it to you, sort of it, it rolls it out to you bit by bit. Yeah. Um, and so it 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 does a lot with very little, 
but it also creates some really nice kind of situations and characters. So just very, very quickly, Michael J. White um, comes out of prison and immediately tries to get in on the underground bare knuckle, I'd say boxing, but MMA fighting scene. So fighting in car parks, fighting in streets, whatever, for money. Um, and he seems to, and he's introduced to a rival kind of promoter, I guess is the right word. Yep. Um, who has his own fighter called the Hammer Man. Yep. Um, and a kind of a woman by his side that the Michael J. White as Bone takes considerable interest in. Yeah. But as we as we go through the film, we find out that, that Michael J. White's Bone has got very particular reasons for not only um, taking down this particular uh, evil promoter called Eamon Walker, I think his name is, um, or is that the actor's name? That's the actor. He's he's a British actor, actually, isn't he? He's um, I really like him, actually. He's, he's yeah. got quite a, you know, considering that he's, he's yeah. against Michael J. White, he 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 carries the villain part really well, actually. I, I really like him in this. Yeah. And like you say, the plot kind yeah. of gets... So it, James' his character's name. That's so right, he's, yeah. he's gunning for him and, and this woman. So, long story short, in prison, he was with uh, his best friend in prison. His best friend was in prison because this James character had set him up, put him in prison, stolen his wife, got his wife hooked on drugs, yada, yada, yada. And he's, this guy dies in prison. His dying wish to Michael J. White is, um, please look after my wife. Now, what I love about this is that, that Michael J. White's character, Bone, enters the, the fight tournament. Once we know what his mission is, and once he impresses this James character enough to get close to him, mm. he gets the, the woman away from him, gets her into rehab, and immediately he's like, right, I'm done. He, he, there's no personal vendetta. He's like, I'm out. Yeah. And the guy has to literally force him at gunpoint into the final fight. And then the moment... and the well, I, I, we'll talk about the end fight later, but I love the end fight and how that resolves itself. Um, so that's that's the plot. That's it. There's the worst to it. Now, I was going to approach this, our kind of review of it in a particular way, because I love, I've, I realised through watching this, uh, we, there are lots of martial arts films that are based around tournaments. Mm. And some of them are good. Um, Bloodsport is right up there. Um the undisputed movies, to some degree, are maybe not tournaments, but they're somewhere in between the kind of the things we're talking about, and they're good. Mortal Kombat gets a pass because it's doing a lot of other things, and obviously Enter the Dragon mm-hmm. is great. But generally speaking, films that involve a martial artist going into a tournament don't always excite me much because they feel kind of safe, like it's organised and there are rules. There'll always be a bad guy who breaks the rules at some point. Um, the people running it generally are honourable and the fights always take place in the same ring. So each fight feels very similar. Yeah. Whereas bare knuckle movies, I find more interesting because they're always out of control. There's always never any rules. Yeah. You can you can stage them in really bizarre and interesting places. Yeah. With really bizarre and interesting people for the heroes to fight. So... And, and the subsidiary characters, like, it means your hero will always have to have a promoter friend, who's normally quite interesting. They will always have some kind of motivation to enter the tournament, rather than just to win. They've normally got some, like, entering a tournament, they're, they're going for something high. If they're in a bare-knuckle 
arena, they've fallen low. And I think that's more interesting. Yeah. And actually, the higher they raise up in a tournament, the more skilled and the more professional and the more honourable they're getting, the more they raise themselves up in the bare knuckle world, the deeper into criminal underworld they're getting. And I think that's simply more interesting. Yeah, yeah. But also, the, the, the bad guys are always slightly out of their depth as well. And they're always trying to reach higher than they can. Mm. And I find the bad guys in bare knuckle movies are more interesting. So, I there's there's this and there's AWOL, a.k.a. Lionheart, for if we have any international viewers. And those, to me, are the two uh, bare knuckle martial arts movies that I think... If you merged what both of those films do well together, you've got the the most amazing martial arts film. Because yeah. um, AWOL does things like, you know, there's a fight in a, in a drained swimming pool. There's, he fights a guy in a kilt in a ring full of cars with their headlights on. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Michael J. White has a couple of fights in sort of industrial areas, but he also has a fight in what looked like someone's 40th wedding anniversary. Um, just like a, a a hall with disco lights on. It feels like he's fighting in like an 80s roadhouse film. It's like a really kind of 80s yeah. club, which is just bizarre. Um, it feels yeah. very much like it's like it's like a Street Fighter film. It's like a beat 'em up game that every lo- you spin to different locations mm. and there's a you, there's a fighter that's on the screen that looks quite it's not just a bloke with a top off mm-hmm. actually they've, they've got like a character arc behind them or they've got some sort of you know character trait that you can mm-hmm. identify quickly with each shot so i think Hook, it's a really yeah. nice yeah it's a really nice um kind of way to zoom around each fight I think. yeah absolutely you know there'll be a montage of them fighting people um you'll have colorful characters so that's that's kind of as we talk through this film those are the kind of points that i'm looking at um so let's let's talk about Michael J. White for a start. Uh, and my the thing I always come back to is that this is a man who clearly is trained in martial arts. If you've listened to him talk, you know he's done a range of martial arts and he's an active martial artist. So he's clearly got a lot of respect for the the art of fighting. I tell you what, he doesn't have respect for the, the fucking laws of physics. There is no way that man should be able to move the way he does. He jumps off the ground, kicks four people before he hits the ground. He should not be able to lift his leg. The guy's a giant. He's, he's an absolute giant. He's crazy. There's, there's the scene when he's at the prison at the start, when he, he we go straight in there oh, and he, so get, good. he gets he gets kind of attacked at prison, and you know he's a badass because he's kind yeah. of his back's against you know he's facing the wall and you know he's going to turn around and he's going to do something amazing. And we get introduced to the character when he, like you say, he kicks three men. Like what's quite nice about it, they all rushed rush him, so there's no like one person is trying to attack him at you know a different time. He literally gets rushed yeah. by all three of them, and he jumps in the air and yeah. kicks all three. And it's 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 unbelievable. It is just like badass. It is a a badass introduction to the character. It's so good. That that opening is great because it um. I mean, it's not the the best shot or choreographed martial arts scene ever, but what it does as a statement of intent is it just says this guy's super hard. I mean, the line at the end is like, send a, he's just kicked all these people to death, not to death, but you know, and um, he says, uh, I want you to send out a message for me. And normally when a hero does that, it's kind of like, tell them that I own the streets now, whatever. And literally he just says, 
if anyone who's thinking about fucking with me, don't. And then you have the credits. And then he's out of prison. It's literally like, what is, let's just drop in to the, the, the fucking ballsiest, hardest moment in this man's life and just make that an out-of-context opening scene. And you immediately know everything you need to know about the character. It's such an awesome opening. Um, and just and again, it's Michael J. White as screen presence, as physicality. Now, what's even more frustrating um, when we think about how little is used in movies, in a kind of wider range of movies, is he's actually a good actor. I mean, his first jobbing role, I think, or his first big role was playing Mike Tyson in a biopic. Yeah, that's right. Um where he wasn't required to do any, obviously fighting he was, but martial arts. Um, he can do comedy. He, Black Dynamite. Is, what a film. What, what a film. That is a, that is such a uh, good film. And he's really funny in it. Um, you know, and he pops up all the time. He's in He's in The Dark Knight. Um, he's, the, he's one of the and, gangsters. He's the um, kind of gangster, the Joker, oh. kind of kills on the pool table. Isn't so th- this is my claim, and I, I stand by this. You could put Michael J. White in a big ensemble franchise action movie like Fast and the Furious Mm -hmm. and in terms of screen charisma you'd have The Rock at the top and next down with Michael J. White absolutely he'd be above Statham above Vin Diesel um, plus he can do all the martial arts and I just have no idea why he's not there do you know what I was thinking when I was watching this in my head but even like I know we pitch things and it's ridiculous in my head, I was actually thinking in, like things I'd like to see him in, genuinely like to see him in. That that you like you say, Fast and the Furious an ensemble film, but he for me he'd make the perfect Blade. If you know, I know they've recast Blade in the MCU, oh, yeah. but he'd be my Blade all day long. Mm. I think he'd be amazing. Um, he's just yeah. he's just got every everything. He's got that kind of you know screen presence. He's kind of you could imagine him carrying that character really well. But yeah, like you say, he could he could. He could turn his hand to anything, I think. He just gets so underused. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy how talented he is and how little we see him. Um, but yeah, I mean, in this film, he gets to do lots. And I think for me, the opening's great. The, the So there's, a, there's an initial fight where he just takes a guy out immediately, which is good fun. Mm. And then basically the, his second fight, um, he... Um, he beats a guy straight away and his promoter character, so, you know, like I say, these fun kind of eccentric promoter characters, is like, I could take two on at once. And the guy goes, okay, then. And so he fights two people. Then he fights four people. And then it's like everyone rushes him. So, and that moment where he's taking on a whole bunch of people is great. And there is a there is a sequence that is a single take, but not like we're talking like three, two, three minutes, or whatever, it's just 30, 20 to 30 seconds where he fights a bunch of people. And just watching that, logistically, thinking, well, he's doing these complex kicks into people and they're running at him. So everyone's got to hit their mark exactly. Like, you can't fake that. He's got that. And to make those kicks land. And then to end that with the quadruple mid-air kick, you think, my God, this guy is so precise. The, The bit where he kicks a guy out of the air... The guy leaps at him and he just and his his leg just he's above his own head and this guy what is Michael J what about twelve foot tall, it's just incredible. It's amazing. It's such a satisfying film. If you kind of want to sit yeah. there and just watch, you've had a crap day at work and you just want to see a bloke mm. just absolutely rinse people. 
this this is an all day long film just to whack on and to see that it's it's just bone crunching but really satisfying and i think we we'll talk about the end fight in a minute um but i don't think he ever gets a scratch on him i don't think you ever even see him with any nah. kind of bruise or cuts he just comp- he just he's, he's, he's annihilates everyone. No, yeah, he takes a couple of hits at the at the fortieth wedding anniversary, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, haven't we all? Yeah, and he, um, yeah, but yeah, he doesn't get wounded or anything. I mean, he's just in total control throughout the whole time, which is great to watch. He's very much like the kind of Bruce Lee thing. Um, now, before we get into the info, I, I just let's talk about this character of James. Um, and again, this is why I like these kind of movies: is that you've always got this rival promoter who's trying to grease their way up a pole. And they always appear to be these in-control bad guys, and yet it's very clear they have their own aspirations they're not getting. And this means that you've got, as a villain, a really interesting character. And he's great. He's full of pomp, and he quotes um, Genghis Khan. He's got, like, decorative swords about. Yet there is this elite there's kind of cadre of 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 criminal elite um led by julian sands who's always good to to pop up um as an arms dealer who runs like a and and the next tier up of illegal fights that this guy's trying to get in and when he sees bone when bone beats the hammer man halfway through the film you you think this hammer man's going to be the big bad at the end yeah and michael j White just kicks the shit out of him without with real ease in the middle um, which is, I think, is a nice, nice thing. He's going to take him to the top, and uh, Bones only doing, only going along with that just to get close to the the female character. And again, once he gets a female character, he's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. So he, you know, now he's at this new tier. Um, if he if he fucks up, he's a dead man. Yeah. This puts this this guy James in the shit because he's just made Julian Sands vouch for him. Mm. So already Bones got him on the back fence. Yeah. Um, and so he forces Bone to fight in this great mansion on a kind of white canvas fencing ground where Julian Sands and his rich friends are sat sipping wine and watching. It's really kind of like over the top. And uh, there's this super hard fighter who's kind of like a small wiry guy, but really quick. Isn't he, a, isn't he an actual... Because a, so. a lot of these, the fighters in this are actually um, MMA fighters, aren't they? And I think he's one of them. I can't remember what his name is, but yeah. he's a, He's quite a well-known MMA fighter. Mm. So basically, it's Bone fighting essentially for James versus this bad guy who's Julian Sands's guy and all these elite people that James is trying to impress um, in a high-stakes $5 million entry fee fight. Mm. And firstly, again, it's a really good fight. And again, you know, neither of us are martial artists, um, but technically it seems... Legit, like the way they're sparring and the way they're testing each other and moving around, you know, it's not a um, over the top highly stylized one. It feels like a, a martial arts demonstration to a sense. Like there's some real, um, and it's good, you know. And there's a bit of turn throw, there's a bit of transfer of power. Um, and Michael J. Wyatt gets the guy in this leg lock. And now, if this was a tournament fight, the only way to resolve that is the good guy has to win. That's the only way you can resolve that, which again means that the the, the thing's inevitable. Here, Michael J. White just taps out and gives up. Yeah. Which throws James completely in the shit because now he's lost five million. And it's such a brilliant moment because you think, well, that's 
it's satisfying it the it, the hero gets it over on the bad guy but doesn't have to do it just by beating the crap out so it's such a clever moment and that means that james just loses his shit and runs in with a sword and tries to attack him which is also a fun moment because earlier on sort of um I was going to say, the, the earlier moment with a sword is brilliant. It's just a nice little yeah. little throwaway thing, but then when it comes back, you're like, aha, aha. Yeah. Just so satisfying, so good. Um, so, like I say, you've, I think you've got all the characters in place. I think where AWOL um, has it over is AWOL's clearly got a little bit more money behind it. Mm. Um, this feels very much like it's low budget, it's shot, you know, digital video, possibly, um, rather than film and, and and what have you. It's, um, the locations are good, but they could go crazier. Yeah. Like, that's all it's missing. But what it has over AWOL is that, you know, controversially, Michael J. White's such a better leading man than Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's a better martial artist. He's got more screen presence. Um, you know... And there's, there's 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 better character work and better story in between the fights here. There are moments in between the fights that are just as engaging as the fights. Yeah, um, I agree. It's great. His promoter, I think, is he, is it um, yeah. is it Eight Ball? Is that is the character's name? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, no, oh, that, Pinball. Pinball. Sorry. Um, and yeah. That's um, that's Rufio from. Uh, he's one of the Lost Boys, isn't he? From uh, Hook. Oh, yes. Which is quite you know a nice, nice you are, fact. You are correct. Yeah. See, well, see, there we go. That's um, research. I, I actually did some. Look at that. You don't get that anywhere else, do you? <laughs> no, yeah. ever, anywhere. I, I, there's nothing in this film, really. Um, or let's say there's nothing in the main body's film that's really baffling or weird or odd or crazy. It's all pretty solid. There is one thing that left me scratching my head a little bit. So as the film closed up and as the credits rolled, um, I was watching it quite late. I'd kind of stayed up longer than one still. I was just looking to get to bed. So I was going to, you know, just skip straight out once the credits came up. And as I kind of hit the little slider, because watching it on Amazon Prime, I noticed there was, I got like a, on the thumbnail, mm. there was clearly as the credits rolling, like another scene. I thought, oh, there's like a mid-credit sequence. And I was thinking to myself, well, I've seen this film before. Mm. Did you see this sequence? No. Um, I, I've okay so I was like so it's a little way in so it goes to credits and then about a few seconds a few ten seconds later the credits go to one side and another frame pops up and there's a, a mid credit sequence Ooh. or it's, it's quite early on in the credits and I thought now I've seen this before I don't remember this so outtakes would seem a bit tonally weird I don't remember those maybe it's a um, like like a, an alternative take on him fighting to show how badass badass he is it is the weirdest, most tonally odd sequence. So basically, it cuts to James, the, the bad guy. Bear in mind, uh, he's in prison, right? In It's a, it's a mirror of the early Oh, scene. no, I have seen it. So I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I have yeah, seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in his orange thing, his face and all. Bad guys come in and they rape him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> That's it. It's like, the, 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 I'm like... We, honestly, we we could have done without that scene. The last the last shot, the last thing we see in this film, is the bad guy getting anally raped. Now, not, it's not like you see it going in or anything. It's just his face grimacing as you hear his clothes being torn away. But it's like 
Yeah, I'd have cut that. I'd have just ended with him. Isn't going, it? Someone, one of the characters shouts, um, "I'm going to stick this shank up your ass," and then it just cuts. Yeah, I don't think that should be a convention in underground bare knuckle fighting movies that the bad guy gets sexually assaulted at the end. Um, just saying, that's my opinion. Um, I know there are some people that are into that. I'm sure when we visit the keywords in a bit, um, there'll be a, a little little section in the middle of those keywords that are very much focused on that. So it seems to be the um, the habit of the filthy IMDb users. But for me, I could have left that scene out. But otherwise, it's a wicked, wicked movie. And more evidence that Michael J. White is one of the most um, underused actors out there he could he he could be pissing all over the box office as far as i'm concerned yeah i agree i agree there's, yeah. there's definitely a you know certainly in in the, in the era of of kind of marvel dc fast and the furious there's mm. there's a there's a role out there perfect for him that, that, that for some reason they have completely overlooked mm. him which is really really upsetting mm. what about him playing yeah. galactus yep yeah. i'll take that uh, he'd make a good Punisher. Yeah. As far as I'm saying. Um, I fucking read Richards. Fucking Sue Richards. I don't care. Just get him in a film. Yep. Just do it. Put, put him in a blonde wig. Turn him invisible. He can do it. He's versatile. Just get him in stuff. Uh, make him the villain in a thing. Um, you know. I mean, I like Idris Elba. Don't get me wrong. But imagine Jay White, uh, Michael J. White as the bad guy in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Oh, God, Just, yeah. you know... Come on, guys. Let's get your shit together. And, um, you know. Um, oh, and just as... Because it wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't mention him. Um, you know, we bang on about Scott Adkins. Undisputed 2 ends with a fight between Michael J. White and Scott Adkins. And it's incredible. Yep. Just go to YouTube. I didn't... Like, turn this shit off. Just go straight to YouTube and watch the end fight from Undisputed 2. It's um, it's great stuff. Do something stuff. better with your evening, really. You know, yeah. come on. I mean, I know we're in lockdown. By the time you listen to this, we're in, we're in the sixth lockdown of the year. Um, you know, uh, they've added six, yeah. they've added six. The, the, yeah. the, the, and and luckily, it's worked out great for us because the population of the UK is so diminished now that actually our listeners represent about twenty five percent of the entire UK population. Exactly. It's supposed to populate wasteland out there. But it, it works for us. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we win out of this situation. Yeah, we win. We played the long game. Um, the amount of the amount of bats that Dick Fassage had to eat. <laughs> Again. <laughs> He's dedicated. He's dedicated. <laughs> anyway. Um, Next keyword. Right, right off the bat in keywords here. Um, someone, some really observant and academically gifted person has added the keyword fighting movie clever bastard just in case you weren't sure um bathroom uh kicked in the leg profanity interesting karate chop um kicked in the face prison fight <laughs> not only is there no mention of of that scene um there's only actually 54 keywords it just ends and it's all just fight mixed martial arts revenge fight Etc. Etc. So, we have got plenty of room to play about. So now I, I, I'm going to do something that might. There's no way they're going to have this. But I, I, I right, we're really testing. I mean, just to remind you, we put in for Escape from LA 
last week. Sex Alley, uh, appalling CGI and hang glider shootout. And I spelt hang glider wrong. I actually entered the word hang Linda shootout. <laughs> and I approved it. It's in there. So um, my, uh, as much as I think this would get re- rejected, I've added the first keyword, mid credit sodomy. <laughs> mid credit sodomy. Beautiful. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, sorry, I know I said this before, but every time I click in the little window to add a new one, it, it shows me my previous list. <laughs> and the top one is always Coffee Bomb. <laughs> I can't even remember which film <laughs> that was in. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful image. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so what else can we put? What, what do you want to put in here? Um... I think we need to we need to refer to his kind of just complete disregard for gravity. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, hang on. Do, do you think so? I've put in despises physics. Do you think that's a little bit too uh, abstract? Or yes, I think that's fine. I think that's. I was trying to think Good. of like you know Newton's law. I was going. I was trying to think of like fuck you Newton or something like that. But yours is better. I mean, I could put I could put despises Newton. Yep. Just to make it even less relevant, let's do that. Despises <laughs> Newton. Exclamation mark. Um, <laughs> and final one. Hair curlers. Because there's a character who has yes. a set of hair curlers, which is just... One of, the fi- one, one of the fighters fights in dungarees and curlers. Dungarees. And that's... Um... Ernest the Cat Miller, who was in, I think he was in UFC and he was in WWF as well. And um, and in WWF, he had the best, the best, in my opinion, entrance theme ever. And he, it was, it was basically, um, it was entitled "Somebody Call My Mama," and it was just someone singing "Somebody Call My Mama" repeatedly. And it's, it's once you hear it, it gets stuck right in your head. So again. Once you've YouTubed some real proper stuff, go and um, YouTube uh, Somebody Call My Mama because it's, it's beautiful. Mm. It's a beautiful song. Great. So um, today we are entering mid-credit sodomy, despises Newton and dungarees and curlers as keywords onto IMDb. Boom. And IMDb, as always, has thanked us for doing so. Um, now... Unsurprisingly, there has been, as far as I'm aware, no blood and bone merchandise out there. Um, and as it's our quest to help consumerism, especially in the post-COVID wasteland that we now live, yeah. um, what merchandise, if you were head of the company that released Blimo, let's say now that the um, those people that have survived this horrible uh, pandemic and are crawling their way back to their homes... And, you know, in in the remnants of the old world, they dig out a copy of Blood and Bone and it becomes the new Star Wars. And you are role playing in this situation as the head of the company that owns the rights to that film. And are going to capitalise on it by releasing a shit ton of Blood and Bone merchandise. What's the first product you release? I've, I'm flicking through the Argos catalogue yeah. and I see, oh, here's the Blood and Bone merch. What is it? I see. I've gone a, a bit kind of uh, uh, alongside that. I'd like to see a, a range of Happy Meal toys featuring blood oh, and bone. Yes, that's brilliant. So let okay, let's just pitch that. There's there's going to be six, right? There's always six Happy Meal toys. Yeah. 
So um, I think there's one that you get it out, and there it's a real the, the there's a, a like little figurine of Michael J. White. Yeah. And it's a really big, cumbersome plastic thing. Yeah. And arranged around like this plastic base are four car- thin cardboard kind of standees <laughs> representing yeah. generic fighters. And despite the fact it shouldn't work, this large plastic Michael J. White figurine flips up and spins and knocks them down. Yep. That's toy one. Yeah. What's toy two? Um, I think toy two should be um, the fighter with the hair curls and dungarees. Um, and he, mm-hmm. he basically he starts off as a packet of fries and you spin him round and he turns into the hair curler's dungaree fighter. And he's just really round. Tra- transformer, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> My next one will be um, it's a it's a little plastic wristwatch that you put on, and on it um, is a uh, a kind of like a, a relief plastic relief of the bad guy James mm. bent over, <laughs> and it's got an alarm you can set. And when it's set, the thing that hits the bell, the little hammer, is shaped like a cock. And it, it just goes into his ass and rings a bell. Brilliant. <laughs> you ring his bell, basically. I think that's... Um, Brilliant. Yeah. That's Toy 3. I think as well that, that, you know, you get the Happy Meal box. I reckon that if you flip it upside mm. down, the Happy Meal box turns into a prison. Um, and it's basically the prison showers. So you can actually role play yes. your figures in the prison showers. Um, and the final one is... Um, I, I, I think... Maybe um, they're miniature, but swords, real swords, like really sharp things that would cut you yeah. if you played with them. Like a collection of ornate swords um, and a little pamphlet that tells you all about people like Genghis Khan and stuff and the horrors and the atrocities. They yeah. There we go. The, the, the Blood and Bone Happy Meal um, set for the new world. Again... Not only are they not using Michael J. White as much as they should, they've mismarketed this film. Kids would love it. All day long. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I've just finished a part of a double-decker um, chocolate bar. We're not affiliated with Cadbury, but screw it. Um, or oh, oh, any, yeah. any kind of form of uh, chocolate nougat would, would suffice, wouldn't it? You know, insert your own yeah, brand I, here. I've, I've never been a fan of double deckers, but just recently I've I've become accustomed to them. It's weird how your tastes change. They're good anyway. They're good to dunk. Are they? Actually. Is that a sex thing? In coffee or in in, in a person? Any any go. Do they maintain their integrity? They do. <laughs> they do. Because because flakes are rubbish for that. Yeah, you can't do that with a you, flake. You put you put it in when you come out. It's, it's gone. We've just gone everywhere, and it's all, it's all kind of frittered yeah, away. absolutely. Oh, we're recording. Hello. <laughs> uh, welcome back. Um, Sexy chocolate. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that has got to be the title for a film we, we do <laughs> at some point. So, again, we're going to do a little bit of a break from our tradition and, and not bring out the old, the old title generator because after... Much deliberation at uh, Hardcasters' headquarters, and by that I mean one message 
Um, from our chateau. We've looked at think. <laughs> yeah. We've looked at um, possibly making Blood and Bone a franchise based solely on. We can put words. There are already existing phrases that involve and bone that we can use. Um, Dick, what were the two that you suggested? Well. Just rerun that bit a little bit because I I don't know about you, Dom, but when I watch this film, I get so disappointed <laughs> that there's no sequel. Like I, I you know, I, I'd love to kind of scratch around yeah. and find a sequel to this. So yes, so I think we've invented our own. So in the world of of Bone, Mister Bone, uh, he conquers the fight game. At the end, he walks away from it. He's beaten it. He's done. He's finished. He's mm-hmm. kicked his ass. So, so that's Blood and Bone. That's your first film. Second film, uh, Bone Two, Dog and Bone. Perfect, because people out there, dogs like bones. Dog and bone. They do. Right? They do. They do it's, like. Them. It's also rhyming slang for phone, right? So he's got to go to London. Yeah, all day long. Absolutely. Yeah. So it. It works on many levels. Yeah. And the third one? Uh, Rag and Bone. Rag and Bone. Now, at this point, I think it's worth mentioning there can't be a fourth one because there isn't really anything else that goes and bone that's a pre-existing. Um, skull and Bone, maybe, if we could go a bit pirate. Skull and Bone or Bone and Bone, where because he mentions your twin brother, so we do a film where there's two of them. Or you could have the Bone family and just refer to it as Dem Bones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and have them bones as the theme tune um but i think time with time as it is i think i like going in deep with a flake Full stop <laughs> to dog and bone just because i think the london element's interesting and then maybe if time allows we'll um have a paddle in rag and bone well basically we just shout words out and just hope they stick really quickly yeah <laughs> for the third one so for Dog and Bone, then, to, to, he's going to go to London. So we're going to be mixing the Bare Knuckle Underground fighting martial arts movie with a kind of possibly Guy Ritchie-esque gangster London crime scene. Does that sound good? And he's got a dog. He's got a dog. Is it a dog? Is it just going to be like a companion? Or are we going like Turner and Hooch with this? Well, on the... It, see, on the I was thinking about this on, on my, my drive earlier, and it, it started off that it was going to be a companion, a la kind of John Wick. And then by the time I'd finished my my journey, the dog could talk. <laughs> I don't know um, how and why. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but the dog's got like a Cockney yeah. accent. It's a shame we can't get Mike Reed back to, to do it. Because if anyone was born to voice a dog... It was Mike Reed. How about Danny Dyer? Yeah. Yeah, Danny Dyer Danny or, or Ray Winston. Yeah. So, um, Bones out of the fight game. Mm. But I like the idea that he's got nothing to do now. Right? What's he going to do with his, with his life? So, I like the idea he becomes kind of like the A-team in that essentially he gravitates towards people in trouble and just gets involved in their lives. Yeah. And punches their problems in the face. Yep. So um, I also like, as we said, the opening scene to Blood and Bone just being a really quick like injection of this is who this guy is, credits, off we go. Yep. 
So I think we should just start with him in London, like getting off the airport. I think I think we go a bit kind of gritty. I think we do. He's like you say, he's arrival to London, but I don't think he comes by plane. I think he comes by cargo ship. And he's basically we get introduced to him in one of those kind yes. of containers. Yeah, he's 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 taken a job working on a ship. Yeah, and the people, the other crew members don't like him, and so it starts with them confronting him uh, on top of a metal container at sea. Yes. Yeah. And he kicks the shit out of them. Can one of them have an animal? Yes. Tiger or something? Yeah, see, my brain immediately went to something like a vulture or a hawk <laughs> or kestrel. But I think tiger's a better idea. Yeah. They're shipping animals illegally. Yeah. And he finds out. And he's like, what the fuck's this? And they go, you either shut up or you're going overboard. And he just kicks the fuck out of them. Yeah. And uh, he... Um, I, I want to see him strangle a tiger. Like with his hands. Yeah. Like... Until it, ta- until it, can the tiger tap out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with his tail. Just with a paw. Yeah. <laughs> and he throws it back in the cage. Yeah. Perfect. Dog and bone. Yeah. Now, we then cut to him and he's already in London. Yeah. Okay. He's already there. He's walking around this, like uh, the real seedy parts where even by Victorian standards, it's subterranean, just really grimy streets. Yeah. And I think he should stumble across um, dog fighting. Right, yeah. And he, something about one of the dogs in the fight, he just meets it eye to eye and he sees a bit of himself in that scrappy mutt. Yeah. And Bone ain't happy. We've established he's, he's quite, well, see... We say he's quite the animal lover, and he doesn't like the idea of animals being shipped to leave. But he has just choked out a tiger. Fuck it. He likes animals, just not when they're attacking him. Yeah. So he's like, screw these pricks, mm. and screw the dog that's currently eating this mutt. So he goes in. Yeah. And much like the scene in Blood and Bone where he fights multiple people, that's the same. But I like the idea that the person running the dogfight just releases a series of increasingly large dogs at him. Absolutely. He's literally being like attacked by a rabid Great Dane. Yeah. And he's just roundhouse kicking it. Yeah. yeah. Over over a fence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. And then he then he fights everyone there and then he walks off with the dog. Now, it's at this point we should probably figure out how the dog speaks. No. <laughs> I, I don't think we do. I just think he starts talking. <laughs> no explanation. Okay. <laughs> it just goes. I mean, okay. So, alright, bone. Woof. <laughs> I what I will say is maybe we shoot a sequence where they like he's meditating with a dog and he kind of connects on a spiritual level. But we can always cut that out in post um, if we just want the dog to start talking. <laughs> yep. So. What is it? What so? Why is he in London? What's his mission there? Whose life is he getting involved in? I think um, he, you know, like in in this one, it, you get spoon fed kind of the the story, and it kind of unfurls before you, and you kind of get it in, in chunks. I think he, he, you know, in 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 the first in Bone One, Blood and Bone, he uh, he basically lives in like a hostel in kind of number one East LA. I yeah. think in this one, he lives above a, a dodgy pub. I think you just see him going up 
and he, he moves into above a dodgy pub, like a proper East End spitting sawdust pub. Yeah. And you think, oh, what's he doing here? And I think the landlord yeah. is an old service buddy of his um, who he met in Iraq or Afghanistan yeah. or somewhere like that who's in trouble. Um, but the guy just thinks he's there to pay him a visit, but actually he's there to help him sort out his problems. Yes. And that problem is local wannabe gangster played by... Um, well, let's, let's not... Fuck around here. I think Scott I, Atkins. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to go Craig Fairbrass. Oh, that's also very good. That's also very okay. Craig Fairbrass. Yeah. But Scott Adkins is his spoiling for a rumble henchman. Yeah. And we'll get Scott Adkins. He'll be up for it. He shaves his head, scars himself up, tattoos all over his face. He likes losing himself in a character. Yeah. And um. He, he's just a real nasty piece of work. He's flipping over tables and knocking people's pints over. Um, yeah. He shakes the fruit machine and takes the change out. He's a real nasty piece he of work. He basically is an old man playing the piano like Uncle Albert in Only Fools and Horses, and he just kicks him off the stool and just goes, Shut up, you can old he, can bastard. He sh- shut the lid on the piano and cut his fingers off. Yes. Yes, he can. Um, yep. Great. And then kick him off the stool. Yeah. So they come in and they're basically hustling for money. Right? So what Michael J. White... Michael J. White gets a job as a bouncer. Mm-hmm. There. And the reason is, is to impress Craig Fairbrass. Mm-hmm. So that Craig Fairbrass hires him as a bouncer for his big club. Yeah. But what he's really there to do is get into the club, find evidence in Craig Fairbrass's safe that incriminates him and gets his mate who owns the pub in 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 the clear. Yep. So there is a bar fight um, where Michael Jairak takes out loads of Craig Brass, Fairbrass's henchmen. Yep. Uh, bottles are being smashed. Um, proper stuff like people being slid across the bar. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I want someone to fall up against, you know, the cardboard things with like peanuts or scampi fries on? Yep. And in the 80s, underneath would be a topless woman. Yep. For those people that are younger than us, this is a thing. You used to go into a pub and you go up to the, the thing with your dad and he'd go, can I have a packet of scampi fries? And you'd tear it off this cardboard back and it would reveal a tit. Um, that's what pubs were like in yep. the 80s. And so um, there was always as well, someone who, if you, if someone who, if you got scampi fries, someone would make a joke that you've got fishy fingers. And basically... That was mm. kind of a, a Dublon Chandra that had lots of vaginal overtones, didn't it? You know, it wasn't just about the, it, it, it was, yeah. you know, a bag of fish crunches, it, it, you know, it, yeah. it, it was basically but, minge related. Incidentally, vaginal overtones is my favourite prog rock band. <laughs> um, but also, <laughs> I now have a Pavlovian response. Every time I open a packet of scampi fries, I get a massive erection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're recording still. Um, so. <laughs> Just think, people listen to this, I'll never eat a double-decker or a bag of scampi fries ever again now. <laughs> um, so someone gets thrust up against them, and as they fall off, they pull all the scampi fries off. Yeah. Um, and there's a topless woman under there. And Craig Fairbrass is like, I respect someone like you. That's not a Craig Fairbrass impression. That's a generic, <laughs> generic kind of like person. Blakey from On The Buses. <laughs> oh, oh, I respect you, brother. <laughs> 
Um, He's in it as and, well. Uh, yeah, it's also pretty much my um, Bernard Breslau. It's my Bernard Breslau impression. Oh, oh, boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, great fair brass. Um, much to uh, the protests of Scott Adkins' heavily tattooed nutjob. Chagrin. Uh, charged much to his chagrin. He um, invites him to come and audition for the role of bouncer. Yep. And the way they audition is to get a bunch of fucking super hard bastards into a car park and just go, right, the last three people standing are our bouncers. And so just a kind of basically, it's perfect. It's like Royal Rumble. Yeah. But in a multi-story car park. And instead of being thrown out of the ring, you throw them off the third floor of a multi-story car park. Brilliant. So there's just these splatted bodies of tough people around. And like Blood and Bone, you could hire wrestlers and MMA fighters yeah. and other people in there. Um, oh, it'd be amazing. Brilliant. It'd be so good. People getting put through the windscreens of cars. Yeah. Now, before we carry on, because I think we'd be quite nice to detail the fights that we've got. So I, in my head, I've got Craig Fairbrass's gangster's name. So if I come up with his okay. name, do you want to do Scott Atkins's character? Yeah, go on then. Hit me with with Fairbrass. Because this would link to his nightclub as well. Because his nightclub would have his yeah. name. So, um, yeah. Barry Nostradamus. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> and what's the theme of his club? <laughs> Instead, you just call it Barry's. <laughs> He's got this amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got nothing to do <laughs> with Nostra dramas at all. But I do like the idea that he, he'll say things like, "Come, come here, Bone. <laughs> I've seen your future. It's with me. Stuff like that." Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, <laughs> clubs Barry's. Um, so Scott Adkins is going to be called Ink Boy. B O I, yeah, and he is like I say, he's heavily tattooed, shaven headed, yeah, um, and he never wears a shirt. Right, okay. He's always topless, and again, heavily tattooed, Mm. and it's mostly swear words. Okay, can it be really Um, rubbish swear words? Not like really aggressive ones, like bugger. No, no, he's got like, (laughs) it's got it's got prick written across his (laughs) his right peck. Nonce on his elbow, <laughs> tit, buggery, <laughs> <his> shoulder, <laughs> um, <laughs> across his stomach. It's it says you massive fanny <laughs> Can he have like you know those uh, penises you draw in a school book? Can he have one of them on his back, yeah. like tattoos on his back? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, with the dotted lines perfect. coming out the top of it. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we've got to come up with some uh, funky fighters to be in this car park Royal Rumble. I think, yeah, because I think what was missing, like you said from Bone, you get glimpses of a fighter with a kind of a nice little kind of nuance, but you never actually see them properly. So I think each fighter that he fights has to have a real character trait to him, doesn't it? So I think we really push that, mm. that element of it. Can he fight... Can he fight a big... Real kind of skinhead, fat skinhead, who's just really fat, full of tattoos, and he's just got a peg pair of braces. Yeah, he's got trousers yeah. as well, but he likes oh, topless. Good. But he's just a big fat bloke, and we brace. He looks a bit like um, who was the lead singer of Bad Manners? 
Oh yeah, um, that's the blood vessel. Yes, he looks like him, but he's really big. Good, yeah. Um, I I want one who's slightly um, European and who's dressed as a Viking. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, yep. It's just called the Viking. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and he, he windmill punches a lot <laughs> because of... You know, Nordic stuff. Do you know what? It would be amazing if Pat Roach is still going. Because we could have Pat Roach as one of them. Oh. I've got in my yeah. head Pat Roach being the mad the mad Scotsman. So he's basically just a bloke who looks like Pat Roach. He's just in a kill. Yeah. Who's um, just kind of just really drunk. And he just kind of sits up and just starts fighting. I like the idea, as Everett is kicking off, he's marching through the melee um, playing bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So apologies to all Scottish people. We've just covered all um, of your I, stereotypes there: bagpipes, kilt, drunken. Yeah, but I think it's clear as well. The guy isn't Scottish. He doesn't have an accent at <laughs> right, all. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair play. He's just—he's <clears throat> gone into a fancy dress shop basically. <laughs> so give me your best Scotsman outfit. Yeah. Um, I want one called the Doctor, and it is just basically a guy who looks like a doctor. He's not particularly big. He's got a white coat and a stethoscope. Yeah. Um, but he says things like, "I, I, I'm going to prescribe you," and then he punches them. This. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> who oh, play, who plays him? Charlie from uh, Casualty. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we we basically just get go go into the Casualty set and say Charlie. Yeah. Can we borrow you for a sec? And he'd be like, yeah, of course, lads. And just come in, um, do a roundhouse kick, <laughs> and you can get back to, get back to treat your patients and um, yeah. looking wistfully at Duffy. I've not seen Casualty in a very long time. I'm assuming that's still <laughs> what it's about. Can, um, we, can we have the bloke who uh, plays Phil Mitchell in EastEnders? Yes, absolutely. Now, as a taster for what's to come, when we get to it, we've said before we're we're a hundred percent doing the uh, an EastEnders style action film. This isn't it. We're 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 flirting with the idea right they, now. We could they could but spin off from this, couldn't it? We could go delve into that world from this film, <clears throat> like the undisputed films, basically. Yeah. yeah. Can he be called his character? He's fighting called Drunk Pete. Yeah. And <clears throat> his thing is that he's just really drunk. And every time someone punches him, he vomits. Um, I, I like the way he's called Piss Bag, because he's got like a colostomy <laughs> bag, because he's got a severe liver yeah. failure. <laughs> yeah. Piss Bag. <laughs> I just got this image of fucking Michael J. White, like, sidekicking Phil Mitchell. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> As he falls over and he's put a colostomy bag full of apple juice. Yes. Piss As, as in, it'd be fake piss. Yeah. Um, goes all over him. <clears throat> Perfect. Um, yeah, I think that's a nice... Uh, someone's got to be dressed in spandex, like a kind of, you know... Uh, purple spandex like a kind of superhero style character yeah um, but yeah it's a real martial arts extravaganza mm. and people are flying out the side off the side of the multi-story car park and <coughs> crashing into bins <coughs> and cars double decker buses so it's Michael J. White comes first 
Who are the two other people that survived? Um, I think... I think Pissbag has got to survive. <laughs> yeah. Right? Obviously for the future, you know, Cockney Expendables yeah. universe we're going to build. Um, and what yeah. about the Viking? Bone, Pissbag. What about the Viking? And the Viking. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So they go to work in the club. And um, Fairbrass, uh, or, or Barry Nostradamus, and Ink Boy head off to do the rounds. <coughs> but Ink Boy's suspicious of Bone. Yep. So Ink, Ink Boy lurks. And while they're off, Bone sneaks into <coughs> Fairbrass's office, cracks the safe, um, and gets the stuff out that he needs for evidence. Mm-hmm. We have neglected something here. Right. Because <coughs> the talking dog has done nothing. In all this point. Could the talking dog narrate? Yes. Absolutely. Just give some narration. We don't need it. He just he just fills in. Just to make sure everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. He just, just fills in. I'd quite like the fact as well that the talking dog cheers Bone on. Like he's, he's sat by yeah. the fire just shouting instructions to him. Like, kick him in the face. Yeah. Just stuff like that. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Have him. Yeah. Well, um, not that cunt at. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And okay, yeah. So he's just there cheering on. Um, he's he's the fight promoter. He's the 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 cue ball or the pinball of the. Yeah, of course. He's of, brilliant. Done. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're leading up to our finale. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got an idea for a wicked fight. Okay. <clears throat> so, knowing the situation, mm. Fairbrass is in his club. Yeah. Feet up. Ink Boy has gone to his mate's pub mm. and has got his mate in the, uh, in like a, you know, at knife point or whatever. Mm. And he's like, to everyone else in the bar, it's a fucking lock in. And he yeah. basically sets light to the pub. While they're in it. Right. And so Bone kicks through the flaming doors. Yeah. And he's like, let him go. And he's always like, you fucking take him. And then they have a fight in a burning pub. Yes. Brilliant. They're hitting each other with burning stalls and yeah. pool cues. Um, all the alcohol's catching fire. And, the, you know, we have given them the remit that this, the two of you, You've been on screen together. You've been on screen in Accident Man. You've been in an episode of Metal Herlant, the mm. um, heavy metal TV series. Um, but really, the pinnacle of their on-screen confrontation is Undisputed 2. Listen, guys, you've got to make that sequence look like piss. This is it. <clears throat> right? Yep. We're going to set fire to the set, and you're going to kick the shit out of each other. Yep. And it's going to be amazing. Brilliant. Um, yeah, brilliant. Um can can at the end can the, the final payoff, like it, it Ink Boy's winning, and then Michael J White um just kind of just uh gets a kind of pint of beer and just smashes it over and then it has his big comeback and then he literally punches Ink Boy kind of uh through the first floor window and uh, and just as he's about to kind of do the finishing kick and kind of kick him out into the street on fire. He just says something like, time, gentlemen, please, or 
um, get out of my pub and then just does the does the kick and then mm. just um, Ink Boy just explodes. Yeah. So Mark J White's like, right, I'm not fucking having this. He heads off to the club, <clears throat> Barry's, <laughs> and um, there, waiting for him is Pissbag and Viking. Yeah. Um, and Pissbag just urinates himself and runs away. Viking kind of gingerly holds up his fists. Yeah. And Bone reverse roundhouses the Viking's head off. Yeah. Bang. <clears throat> yeah. Not fucking around. Into the club they go. Yeah. Fair brass. Rummages in his drawers. Couple of brass knuckles come out. Yeah. Clink, clink. Um, and he's like doing kind of like almost like um, old style fashion boxing. Yeah. And uh, um. Bones just like whistles and the dog comes in, latches its teeth into his genitals, yeah. and just tears off Rick Fairbrass's <laughs> um, cock and balls and runs off with him. Right. And then, um, can, okay, can, can Bone Hardouken him? Like, proper, uh, like a ball of energy comes out, yeah. smashes into Craig Fairbrass, and he uh, disintegrates. Can then he like just, he's in Tron. Yeah, can he just turn around and look at him and go, Ah, Nostramus, you didn't see that coming. Gurn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, so then, off Bone wanders into the night. Mission completed. Yep. Um, credits. Yep, yep. Brilliant. Yep, done. That's Dog and Bone. That's Dog and Done and Done. We've, we've added to the mythology a little bit. There are talking dogs and Hardukans <coughs> in this. Yep. Um, but in amongst those kind of flourishes, there's the gritty urban reality of East End London with burning pubs and heavily tattooed henchmen mm-hmm. and club owners and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he kicks a Viking's head off. So obviously we haven't got the time to go into as much detail, but what um, if we, you know, if we were to return, if maybe let's say we shot Dog and Bone and Rag and Bone back to back. Mm. So like Back to the Future 2, there was like a trailer for Rag and Bone at the end of Dog and Bone. Mm. Yeah. What would be in the trailer for Rag and Bone? Let's so, just add some out of context sequences that we want to see in Rag and Bone. So I think that um, in Rag and Bone, he runs a scrap car uh, kind of yard um, that he's just kind of. Um, so it's basically shots of cars getting crushed. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's old cars, but also scrap metal. But in scrap metal, there's like a, a glowing box, and um, it be it kind of before he realizes that there's something in this this glowing box, he opens it up, and um, kind of all these swirly lights come around, um, and it's just some mythology mythological shit that's just about to happen. So scrap metal yard. Yeah, you know in um, yeah. You know in a Superman 3, yep. where they make the weird kryptonite and it makes him go evil yep. and he fights himself? Yep. That. Right. Um, not his twin brother, <laughs> yeah. which we've already established exists. He fights the evil version of himself. Yep. They get separated yep. and they have a fight, like in Superman 3, on like a conveyor belt towards a crusher. Yep. Brilliant. Just just a shot of Michael J. La- White laughing. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really laugh. Just a shot of him laughing his arse off at yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and then, at the end, just to throw the cat amongst the pigeons and to, to get stuff up, 
the return of Julian Sands' character. Right, yeah. Who is still sat in a throne, mm. but the throne's got wheels on it. That's how he travels. <laughs> and yeah. he's still got a big goblet <clears throat> of red wine. Yeah. And he just, like Davros, he turns around a corner. <laughs> so we meet again, Bone. Um, Did his chair nuts. tip over? <laughs> <laughs> He just comes around the corner a bit too quick. <laughs> it's, it's not good for even ground, like a junkyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or he could have a throne like Thanos. You know that he's got kind of he's got like he's just a throne that's he's got like rockets underneath it just flies yeah. about the place. He's got one of them. Yeah. You thought you'd got away from the consortium. Yeah. But no one runs from us. Yes. Uh... <laughs> 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 Another Brit. That's a perfect for those people that know, that's a perfect Julian Sands. Yeah. Yeah. Rag and bone. If if you see that trailer, uh, you know magical a box of magic. Michael J. White laughing and fighting his own twin yeah. and Julian Sands in a hover throne. <laughs> You're going to watch that film. Yeah. You're going to go straight back to the video store and demand to know when the video store, when um, <laughs> Rag and Bone yeah. <laughs> is going to be in stock because you cannot wait to see how that pans and out. And the person behind the counter will go, this hasn't been a video store since 1996. Fuck off out of my house. <laughs> Justice. Justice. And all that is left for us to do, um, for you fine people, is to draw from what we know of what we learned from the film and add it to our ever-increasing book, a tome of uh, lessons for those people seeking justice. Yep. Justice 101. 101. What have you learned from, from Bone? Well, <clears throat> I think really, again, this might have a bit of practice, but if four people are running towards you, you know, just try mm. to kick all four at the same time. It probably will go wrong. You know, I can I can barely kind of, you know, tie my own shoe, but, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna try it. I mean, if people, four people are running towards me, even if they're not running at me to attack me, they, you know, running towards me to get a bus or something, I might try and... You know, just kick all four of them as I'm in the mid, in mid air. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, what have you got to lose? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. In this instance, you'll probably miss seventy-five percent of the people you yeah. kick. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a hundred percent. Yeah. But that's better than a hundred percent, a definite hundred percent miss. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, you might also get some spinal injuries. Yeah. But, you know, um, who dares wins? Prolapse, um, you know, my prolapse and, and kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You've got you've got a lot to lose. Yeah. Um, my, my lesson is, it's something we didn't touch on, is that one of the little quirks for Bone, uh, probably we should have elaborated <laughs> this in a bit more, is there's a couple of moments with he, he in his initial fights... There's a couple of moments where it suggests he's got some kind of spider sense, where, like, time freezing, he recognises the person's weakness. Yes. Like, he's watching a guy kick, and he realises, oh, OK, if I open up my left-hand side, he'll kick for that, and I can do that. Yeah. Um, that's not exclusive to martial artists. Everyone has their innate ability. <laughs> if you're in a fight, just try and get yourself into the kind of headspace where... 
you can slow down time. Mm. And in that moment, you know, when you slow down time. And in that moment, if you concentrate hard enough, not so hard that you let out a little pop, <laughs> just enough, just that sweet spot where you've got control of your bowels, but time is slowed down. We've all been there. We've all tried to slow down time and actually just shut ourselves. <laughs> what, what's he doing over there? He's trying to slow down time. He's just shouting. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's you know you live by the sword you die by the sword it's a very tight it's a very narrow tight road to walk yeah. um, but if you manage to achieve that then an opponent's weakness will be re- revealed I mean worst case scenario you shit yourself and it takes them by surprise then you just kick them in the knackers and run away I mean yeah. it's a win-win yeah it's a win-win um, what I will suggest is don't try and do that while you're in midair trying to kick four people because if you shit yourself in midair, you're going to land in it. <laughs> yeah. Which in of itself is a really good lesson to learn. We've learned that lesson many times, actually. Yep. Um, so that you, you don't have to. Yeah.